0: basically our version of the Michael Jordan flu game here on saying the tone in our <laughs> retrospective. Uh, my name is Elizabeth. You can hear my voice is not sounding very well. Uh, I've been sick for over for over a week now. And who else is with me?
1: Don't you normally? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm so sick. I can't. Don't throw things and make them harder. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, how, Lauren. Lauren, how how you feeling? I'm great. I'm getting what Lizzie had last week. It's a miracle we've made it to Mike tonight, fam.
0: And Daniel's also uh, here.
1: And
2: not, <laughs> and not sick. I'm the one of the three. I'm the last man standing. Uh,
0: but, but
2: Nurse Jen is sick. Yes, Nurse Jen is sick. Uh, I think Lizzie is passing things through the Zoom uh, realm and...
0: Which is funny because we didn't actually record last week, so we didn't have a Zoom thing for me to no, pass but we, anything through.
2: I think recorded the week before, and I think you were just a, a symptom, asymptomatic carrier at that point. Like, look, I
0: blame, I blame CM Punk. He clearly just released a biological agent Save at it. the Chicago AEW show. Save
1: it for the lounge.
0: Okay, Save sorry. Anyway, uh, Taylor, <laughs> you are. <sighs> Today, we're going to talk about Season 9, Episode 18, which is called Finders Keepers. The episode aired on April 3rd, 2003. Lauren knows going on that week 20 years ago.
1: Hold on, I'm changing it to my old lady Zoom on my Google Doc. Uh, God, this is a great one for me to do while I'm sick. Of course, yeah.
0: It's Uh, a a weird headline week this week.
1: And so it begins, following months of threats, protests, and lies, a U.S.-led coalition group launches an air and ground invasion of Iraq. Despite a major reason for the war being to destroy Iraq's alleged weapons of mass destruction, zero evidence was ever found that any unaccounted for weapons of that capability had been produced by Iraq since before the Gulf War in 1991. Cool.
0: So many awesome things, mm. in, clearly.
1: In better news, um, <laughs> at WrestleMania 19 in Seattle, Washington, the main event saw Brock Lesnar defeat Kurt Angle to win the WWE Championship. We'll let Daniel talk in way too much detail about the event now.
2: Rude. But also, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <sighs> this is commonly cited. If not, if it's not WrestleMania 17, this is most, I would say, most frequently Cited as the best WrestleMania of all time. Um, That's why
0: I thought you would talk, talk Re- about WrestleMania it. nineteen.
2: It's like you know, we're ever just so so slightly past the um, uh, the peak of the wrestling phenomenon in America. Like the of course, the peak years were like nineteen ninety eight through like two thousand, maybe the first first half of two thousand one, and then you know, society kind of moves on, and so. This is like I think the last gasp of that of like you're st- it's still mainstream popular enough that, you know, they can get it, which is it's weird to think of now because now WWE is such a like uh just an entity, like it's a, it's a it's a brand unto itself kind of like Disney where like they can f- fill big football stadiums and like huge arenas for WrestleMania every year, but it still doesn't have I feel like the cultural like no the cultural significance that it did at this time and absolutely not so like this is this weird middle ground where like we're a little bit past the 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 heyday but not so far that we can't still recapture some of it but also you're seeing them start to dip their toe into hey what if we started doing these gigantic i mean they did the Astrodome a couple years ago but like this is where they do it in uh the mariner stadium in seattle which is a huge cavernous place um Fifty
0: four thousand some odd attendance. At yeah, because they because they put the
2: ring down on the field and they had field seating and all the stands and stuff. So I mean, it was a huge, huge deal. Um, and yeah, the big the big match to come out of this was, of course, Lesnar and um, uh, Kurt Angle. Angle. Kurt Angle is really fucked up at this time. Like his neck oh. in in the time leading up to this match, his neck is like well and truly fucked. And they tried to they tried to get him medically. Disqualified from like, and not in a storyline. Like they, they, (laughs) the the doctors tried to convince him not to wrestle because he could die, Um, and he was like, "No, I am gonna gut it out and do this thing." And and so you know, they they end up going through with the match. The big moment, of course, is towards the end. Lesnar decides that he's gonna do a shooting star press to impress the the audience and uh, make a make a big WrestleMania moment, and he lands square on his fucking gigantic head uh, and almost kills himself. Uh, and it's really fucking hard to watch, uh, but it's a great mm. match. It's a great events. Really good matches on here. You get the very last ever uh, match between Rock and Stone Cold uh, on this show. Oh. Um, you get uh, Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho in a really good match. Like other than the other than the really regrettable uh, Bud <laughs> Bud Light or what is it Miller Light girls cat fight pillow fight thing that takes place like halfway through the show. Other than that. It's a pretty spotless show. Like, every match is kind of, like, either really good or really, really great. Like, perfect. So,
1: it's a good one. Thank you, thank you. Um, In other Daniel-related news, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker is released for the Nintendo GameCube.
2: Oh, what a week for me to be alive. Uh, Yep. (laughs) (laughs) What what more can I say about Wind Waker that hasn't already been said? Uh, It's fucking great. Uh, It's, um, it was... Much maligned at the time because it was considered to be like the Kid's Zelda, and like it was because t- of its, art, its style. art style, which is
1: its it, art style is perfect. Right in the in yeah, the twenty right.
2: years since, the art style has been the most enduring thing about it. Um, it's got this much more like cell shaded kind of uh, you know cutesy art style to it uh, that threw a lot of people off at the time, but never bothered me. I love it. I loved it. I I picked that game up, you know, if not at launch, shortly after. And just devoured it. Like I just remember losing an entire weekend to that game, the first weekend it was out. Like it was just, just phenomenal. And they they've done HD. They did an HD remake of it on the Wii that is um, also really great. Um, Gave it a a nice little. Not that it needed much of a like graphical polish, but it gave it just enough of one to make it worth your time. And then they fixed a couple of the more like annoying aspects of the gameplay uh, to make it just a really really timeless experience. Love, love me some Wind Waker.
1: And this one's for Lizzie, um, head of state, the political comedy starring Chris Tucker technically wins this week at the box office, but nobody cares because it's time for Lizzie to hijack the podcast to talk way too much about the real number one movie in our hearts, the classic disaster movie, the core, the cast, which includes way too much talent for this kind of movie. It included such actors as Aaron Eckhart, Stanley Tucci, Hillary Swank, checky cario sorry i don't know that one uh bruce greenwood richard jenkins delroy lindo and dj qualls lizzie go for it
0: are you really gonna put disrespect on the name of checky cario i don't who is it look at look him up you have seen him in a lot of stuff
1: but oh my my god
0: okay so i am a huge disaster movie like fiend and like this one is an awful it is a god awful movie in the best way possible. The effects suck. The ship they take down to the core of the of the earth looks like a giant penis, <laughs> and that's fine. It no, it does. Like seriously, look at somewhere somewhere Jeff Bezos. No, we believe you. Th- this
2: is the source material for Je- Jeff Bezos's rocket. It,
0: yes. Like he saw the core, but no, but the makers of this movie, I'm pretty sure they saw Armageddon and were like, "What if we did that but worse?" Mm like what if we did that but instead of drilling into an asteroid we drill down to the core of the earth and then have some cockamamie plan to restart the uh, restart the earth by setting off a shit ton of nuclear weapons because apparently some clandestine program from the united states government called project destiny accidentally destabilized the core because we are trying to like test a weapon to find out see if they could make earthquakes under enemy strongholds it's so bad it's so good please it's on paramount plus or just pirate it it's really really seriously it's not it's, don't pay money to don't pay my extra any extra money to watch this it's mm. it is one of my fa- it is one of my favorite is a comfort movie of mine it is just i i yeah it's ridiculous oh it's wonderful aaron eckhart, this is the movie that made me love aaron eckhart and this was the most ridiculous daniel tucci role until he embodied everything that is caesar flickerman from the Hunger games
1: lizzie is this the one that you got the poster for from your parents house no that's deep impact that's a deep impact okay never mind i was like yeah, yeah. yep no cool. an, an actual
0: good movie this is this is a bad movie that i just love
1: uh, with that being said in the club by 50 cent is still your number one song i'm glad i can make daniel laugh daniel what else was on
2: at 8 p.m friends with the one with the lottery at 8 30 scrubs with my interpretation at 9 will and grace with the episode sex losers and videotape and at 9 30 good morning miami with someone to watch over gavin This week's episode had 18.9 million viewers tuning in. Do either of you care to venture a guess when was the last time we saw an episode sub-20? Never. Lauren?
1: Hmm, I'm going to say mid-eight before Mark's cancer comes back
2: incorrect lizzie takes the win with zero times we have ever seen this happen before this is the first time i went all the way back to the pilot this is the first time dedication uh this is our this is the 197th episode of the series so it took 197 episodes for them to finally go sub 20 million Um, also
3: this
1: is your regularly scheduled how have we been doing this over 196 times yeah
2: uh, so yeah uh, First time in 197 that we've gone Sub 20 million we will do it one more Time before the end of the season uh, And then but it's interesting to see Like this is literally the first like Crack in the hall like this is the first mm-hmm. This is the first glimpse Of like oh maybe we can't do this Forever like may- mm-hmm. maybe This won't be a juggernaut for e- I mean Granted in relative you know Modern sensibilities 18.9 million Is nothing to fucking sneeze at like 18.9 yeah. Million is amazing
0: It's it's something like Football.
2: Exactly. Like, this is a huge, huge deal in today's. uh, But when you consider, like, I was going back through the seasons and, like, looking at some of those, you know, season three, four, five. Like, we were easily clearing 30 every week with a few weeks up Mm -hmm. over 40. And it's like we've halved that now. So it's pretty interesting to kind of see where we're at on the timeline. I know by the time we get towards the end, we are going to be, I think, sub 10. So there's a lot further to go. As yeah. as the the pool gets more diluted, you know, more channels and more uh, more options, your houses, TiVo, your, and- TiVo, your you know your houses of the world, your Grey's Anatomy. There's going to be a lot of things pulling viewers' eyeballs away, um, but this is kind of the beginning of it. This is where we're seeing like mm-hmm. uh, just a little chink in the armor. Uh, We are directed this week by Babu Subramaniam doing his third out of three. Last time we saw him as a director uh, was Jake's favorite episode, the horse episode from, I believe that is season six, five or six. Um, And, of course, uh, obligatory shout out to uh, Mr. Subramaniam, who does, in fact, follow us on Instagram. Uh, So... Shout out to him. Uh, written by D. Johnson, doing her twelfth out of nineteen as a writer. Previous ones of hers from this season include No Strings Attached, Next of Kin, and Dead Again.
0: Wonderful. And uh, well, this is the Romano show this week. So oh it's my a- god, th-
1: it sure is.
0: Yeah. So our previous one was brought to us by Romano, but it's a very weirdly paced episode. So we only have two audio clips. Uh, this first one's pretty much going to be everything through to the intro. To the intro, which we'll, we'll come in with bangs, but. um, Carrie's, we start off, Carrie's moving into Romano's office when Romano interrupts her as she's starting to unpack her stuff.
4: That was a gift.
3: From a grateful patient?
4: Grateful girlfriend.
3: I have a few meetings with department heads later, otherwise I would have waited. Oh
4: yeah, of course.
3: I'll have all this sent to your home by week's end. Dr. Weaver? Yeah.
4: Maintenance is here. Send them in. Happened to Brenda? Brenda.
3: Had to let her go. She seemed unwilling to make the transition.
4: Centered right above the backs of the chairs, and at museum level. Oh, museum level. Always hated the impressionists.
3: Look, it's a lateral move, Robert.
4: How much sugarcoating of the truth?
3: Believe me, it wasn't my idea. Dr. Anspach thought it might be a good interim step.
4: That's strange, because this little power play smacks of a certain estrogen-based malice I've grown all too familiar with over the years. You
3: know, I really wish you'd try to appreciate the fact that we're trying to do you a favor here.
4: What you're doing is bending me over and driving it up the chocolate highway, let's be honest.
3: You're a one-handed surgeon, Robert, not to mention a human resources nightmare and a lousy administrator who's burned more bridges than you've ever built. You're lucky to have options at all.
4: Oh, you're suggesting I have some?
3: Yes, you do. You have three. It's this, it's teaching, or it's out.
4: Oh, Dr. Romano, can I get your home address? Fight me, Nancy.
3: Dr. Romano, I have some billing givebacks from anesthesiology that you can decide. Cardio admins on line one for you. Take a message. Oh, what do I tell them?
4: That I don't work here anymore. I'm taking this and stuff the x-ray that's what order these are for park rainy and go help someone drain an abscess yeah but i got you're a med student you're not doing scut you're not doing squat hey green card i want all your performance evows by day's end why well i want something to read when i'm on the can why do you think igor you're on my hit list who supplies the nurse of scrubs allied switch to lindemans they hug booty better the hell are you looking at oh hey 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 everybody great news pinata out in the parking lot on the lake i the here for one of their kids yeah well they need to stop having kids clear them out or you're fired what let me rephrase that, you're fired. You can't fire nurses. I just did, hey, pituitary boy. You talking to me? Yeah, I lost my arm, not my olfactory nerve. Six security on the bum taking a crap over there and get me a list of every staff member's salary, including yours. What was that all about? Meet the new boss. Get rid of this coffee machine in here. You losers can pay for your own job. Whew.
2: I, can't decide which, uh. Uh, I can't decide which one I like better, uh, green card or pituitary boy. <laughs> I think
3: pituitary boy. pituitary boy. boy. <laughs> Less
0: racist. Yeah,
2: it is. Yeah, it's, you know, it's racist, but it's like, it, it's, it's not like, it's not like cutting to, it's not a slur. You know what I mean? Like, it's not cutting
0: to yeah. the bone kind of. Uh, it's not like him saying that they shouldn't be having kids. Yeah, that,
2: that's,
0: yeah. this That's more racist. Oh, boy. I but, got, but welcome to the ER chief, Dr. Romano era, folks.
1: And I think this, if I'm remembering correctly, this next, you know, half a season or whatever before everything happens in 10, I think this is really where Romano becomes infamous for being an absolute pestilent jackass. I mean, a lot of it just comes from this
2: episode.
1: Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you think about, like, yeah, he's disagreeable early on, and he's vitriolic and whatever, but, like, this kind of shit that happens here on out as he becomes more and more bitter, mm-hmm. this is really what I think people remember him for. Especially
0: like, you know, after he cuts his losses with the arm,
1: yeah, so to speak. So speak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how Malucci, so much of his stuff was colored by his departure. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's, you know, it's interesting, or it's it's hard to realize and hard to grasp that, like you said, Lauren, we have... I just I just went and looked we have just about half a season total like we have it, season uh, 10 episode eight is is the end for Romano so
1: can we get Paul McCrane back so I can cry in front of him about how sad I am uh, that he left no
2: because he's on strike uh but oh yeah that's right <laughs> I mean he has time then no 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 so they, no, they, no we they don't can't, they can't oh, talk true, about it's true, it's the, anything <laughs> that
0: they were in. that's true That's true my bad my bad I am this not a scab
2: podcast uh yeah, but my bad. um no, uh, it's just, so, you know, we have the rest of this season, which is, a, you know, three episodes, four episodes left in this season, and then eight, you know, in the following. So we literally are down to, like, half a season's worth of Romano, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. And I, I feel like, because he did mention in his interview before that, like, he sort of saw the writing on the wall when they pitched this storyline mm-hmm. to him at the beginning of, like, okay, they're cutting mm-hmm. my arm off. Clock's going to start ticking now. And... This episode to me which I was really surprised to see what uh like kind of unanimously negative opinion there is of this episode at least among our listeners and people who responded to this episode um and me people really didn't like this episode whereas actually I I like parts of it I don't love I don't love I don't love it but I like parts of it and I think there's a like we've said many times before in other episodes there's a kernel of a really good episode in here like there's I
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. I I enjoy it for what it is. It is not a masterpiece, but I I enjoy it for just how ridiculous it is. And we'll yeah, get into it.
2: but there does but there does sort of feel to me like an element of them cranking up the heat on this character just to like burn him off. Like it it sort of feels like they've made the, they've made up their mind that that we are, you know, about a half season away from getting rid of Romano. So we might as well just really crank it up and really make you hate him so that you're not going to miss him when he's gone. And that's kind of where I feel like their heads are at at this point.
0: I mean, also, if you were in the situation that he was in, wouldn't you be super pissed well, off yeah, too? and that's
2: why I don't really have that much of a problem with some of the things he says in this episode. Are they reprehensible? Sure. But I think you also have to take in mind, keep in mind and, and keep the context of, like, dude is literally watching everything he's worked for his entire life fall apart in front of him. And it's because of something that was completely out of his control. Like, he didn't, it's not like, it's not like, he, I mean, yes, he made a mistake, but it wasn't like, it wasn't purely his fault that he's in the predicament that he's in.
1: With all that being said, uh, in with Banks. Cool. Great. Um, I guess, yeah, that makes sense with the tirade he just went on. And then we go into Chen and Pratt complaining about how cold it is outside and we we learn here it's chen's birthday cool and he wants to take her out to ni- a nice dinner later and as this is going on a random guy runs up trying to hustle and sell random shit to them
2: and our uh, street vendor this episode is a little bit of a, like an oh hey it's that guy party like we got quite a few of them so strap in uh the street vendor here is uh, played by actor max graden Uh, who uh, is best known for stuff like Rumpelstiltskin, Barton Fink, and the Rocketeer.
1: Uh, And then we see Lizzie's nanny dropping Lizzie off at the ER before taking Ella to daycare or whatever, um, when this gentleman starts waving a stuffed animal in the van, and Lizzie's like, go, just go, and they end up running his foot over. Great. Cool. Awesome. Um, Then Romano is taking an exam room for his office because, yeah, let's just take up all those resources that we need. So, you see through the curtains him just yelling at maintenance, trying to get shit cleaned up in there. Uh, and then Jerry and Luca are giving Susan crap about her leather gro- gloves being stolen. Just like, ooh, that's, you know, you're a monster for for killing animals and stuff. Just like, just teasing her. Which sucks to lose real leather gloves because, holy shit, those are can be expensive. Um... Oh, and then Romano yells to everybody and Admit that he is now the boss. And J- I can't remember what Jerry says, but probably something like, you okay there? Or just, you know, tells him to tone it down a little bit, maybe. And <laughs> Jerry, he goes, get your love at home to Jerry. And it's just like, can we just have, like, as much as I love Jerry and Frank, can we have the microcosm of Jerry, Frank, and Romano just together spewing vitriol at each other for... Just thirty minutes. Oh yeah, just that. I
2: love the. I absolutely adore the dynamic between Romano and Jerry this episode, and then the. It's so the, good. The multiple like walk and talks that they do when. It's when he's so good. Telling him who he can and can't fire, like with with the binder. Right. Just as he's. I like, could have done with like three episodes of just that. Like yep. That that would have been
0: spectacular.
1: Jerry is his new Shirley. Yes, give me that.
0: Uh, Luca, Carter, and Abby are in the elevator together going to get a patient on the roof. And there's two different posters about having a stroke in the elevator. Just so you know, folks, having a stroke is bad. Uh, Most awkward ride ever with Luca trying to make small talk. And he mentions, oh, it's been almost a year that Carter and Abby have been together. Oh, how fun. What a wonderful year.
1: Also, I'm going to apologize right here. I did my best to keep names straight for the two or three patients we had coming in. So, like, I think I got everybody corrected and right, but just if anything's fucky, I apologize. It it turns
0: into a bit of a clusterfuck. And it doesn't matter, because we get Donald fucking Logan the next scene. We're not
1: there yet, Lizzie. Spoilers. Uh, yeah. For 30 seconds from now. (laughs) We do get uh, our next patient
2: being brought in by the helicopter. Uh, Mr. Rushing a 37 year old being brought in by yes Lizzie Donald motherfucking Logue himself uh, kind of one of the quintessential oh hey it's that guys uh, like I would say like when you think of the concept of an oh hey it's that guy I feel like Donald Logue is in that category um, never like the eight, never the, the, the top of the call sheet but always a solid entry in whatever he's doing like whatever he's in he's usually one of the better parts of that thing. Um, He has, of course, appeared in stuff like Blade, Zodiac, uh, and The Patriot, among many, many other things. Do not yell at me about things that I did not put on his filmography. There was a lot to choose from. Leave me alone. I'm tired. Uh, And uh, he has 117 very excellent credits to his name uh and he is making our first of 11 appearances uh in this episode and uh he also has a really interesting instagram account where he's basically become a lumberjack uh in addition to still being a working actor he owns a lumbering company in western canada and he posts tons of stuff about them making cool stuff out of the like wood that the trees that they cut down so i knew i loved him that does not surprise me in the it's slightest. It's fascinating to watch. They make some really cool-looking stuff, and I imagine it's all very expensive. Uh, but, uh, yes, he is playing the the helicopter uh, pilot, medic, whatever you want to call it, uh, who is bringing the— Flight uh, nurse. Flight nurse, thank you. I knew there was a word. Uh, bringing this patient in. Uh, it's a likely hit-and-run, uh, and he uh, pointedly asks if Susan is working today. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Uh, and we don't get a real good look at our patient Josh here but we will as the episode goes on and he is played by actor Jamie McShane who has appeared in stuff like Thor uh, Hostage and Gone Girl Uh, and he is the high watermark actor for this episode 149 credits to his name Uh, that brings us uh, straight down to the trauma room where they're working on Josh Carter Abby and Luca working on him Romano then bursts in to uh, evaluate the trauma Uh, and as they're working here a call comes in on the trauma room phone uh, from it's a I believe they say it's a collect call uh, which Mm -hmm. uh, how much longer are you going to be able to use that as a plot device Uh, as we sit here in the spring of 2003 how much longer will collect calls be a thing Uh, uh, as there but it's a collect call from Croatia for Luca uh, and he uh, Romano goes over takes the phone out of uh, I think it's Chuni or maybe Lily's hand and is like yeah don't don't ever call here again and hangs it up so and lauren whose films are those we then uh cut to the aforementioned lovely walk and talk between Jerry and Romano my favorite touch of the entire episode uh Jerry telling Romano that he can't fire nurses uh and Romano asks him to do some do some homework and tell him who he can fire then uh this will lead to just mm chef kiss stuff here for the rest of the episode uh and then we see susan uh doing a brief uh check-in with a patient who got shot with a nail gun by his seven-year-old this is a wholly inconsequential patient but a horrifying scenario to imagine
0: super I do, super awesome
1: i do love i'm just gonna sit here because i don't know if we come back to this later but He's like, oh, maybe he didn't know it was loaded, and the kid goes, no, I knew.
2: Yeah, and then and Lizzie's like, uh, she checks in, and Lizzie's like, maybe get a site consult for him. <laughs> Fucking sociopath.
0: Anyway, uh, let's, speaking of Lizzie, let's go to our second of only two audio clips here. Uh, it's sh- much shorter than the last one. Uh, Romano's waiting for coffee in the lounge when Lizzie pops in. Fresh pot. Enjoy it while you can.
4: How you doing? Very well, thanks. New digs, new challenges. Trampy coffee interest you in a cup?
3: I'll pass.
4: Smart woman. Look, I think it's awful. just to let you know. A waste. Really of your of your skills, your talents. But, um, I'm sure it'll be temporary. Yeah. Anything I can do to help? You could shoot me now.
0: I really just wanted it for that last line.
1: The delivery of it is so good, too. Right, and and that's
2: because uh, the, if there is this, there is this uh, deep, dark, melancholy undercurrent of all of his vitriol. This episode, like, and I feel like that's the part of this episode that is missed and is uh, not explored heavily <laughs> enough. Like how much he is covering up, how upset and depressed he is with his anger and his like just general surliness like even by romano standards he's pretty pissy this episode and i feel like if they'd have delved just a little bit deeper into into scratching below the surface there and digging into just how desperate and how how much despair he's feeling i feel like we could have had an all-time great episode here
1: and i also want to point out here for dorks at home uh there's a rockstar studio sticker on the locker on the lounge this would have been
0: excuse you i'm a d- i'm a dork in your home and I noticed this. So this
1: Okay, but you're also not the audience who didn't have this discussion with me when we watched the episode. But so still... this is
2: two thousand and three. So what are we what's what's new in... We
0: are post uh we are post uh three in Vice City. Okay, but
2: San Andreas hasn't come out yet.
0: So who yeah. San Andreas who in, is, that office, is in development. Who
2: in that office do we think is playing uh Vice City? Like
0: Oh, absolutely Luca.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 1,000% 1, Luca. 1, he canonically Luca. does have a PlayStation, so uh, it makes yeah. sense that Luca would be the one, and that he would be going home and like <laughs> running over sex workers uh, in a fictional Miami.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: 100%. Love that game. Those remakes are terrible, though. Do not do not spend your money on those.
0: Yeah, I wasted Oof. money. Bad. Just run I,
1: I. I detest Grand Theft Auto. Um... But then we go back to our likely hit and run Josh. He had no drugs or alcohol in his system and he still had his wallet with him. So we're going to continue trying to see what might have happened there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Abby asks Carter if he knew anything about the Romano coup, which he did not. Uh, Carter runs into Carrie, though, at admin and she passes off some of the admin projects to him. And he he asked her how long Romano will be down there. And she's like, what do you think? What makes you think it's temporary?
2: Oof. Oof.
0: Just just what yeah. you want to hear
2: in that situation
0: Exactly uh, And her crutch is gone When she goes to get it and to go walk away mm. Got a kleptomaniac, a kleptomaniac on loose here folks
2: then we uh, go out to the ambulance bay, Abby asking Susan if she has any plans, uh, and they see Luca talking on the phone out there, uh, presumably following up on the collect call from earlier. Uh, we find out that a woman he knows from med school in Croatia has a very sick patient and decided to call Luca in the trauma room. <laughs> it's a very, I don't know, it's it's kind of a flimsy uh, plot device in my opinion. It's
1: Oh, it's so flimsy. It's
2: very flimsy. But uh, we will certainly find out more about this as we uh, go along. Uh, the ambulance shows up with our next patient, Nikki Broome,r who f- uh, fell while running and suffered a shoulder dislocation as well as a possible rib fracture. Uh, both Nikki and his girlfriend, who's accompanying him, are uh, oh hey, it's that people. Uh, Nikki is... Uh, played by actor Bodie Effman, who appeared in stuff like Mercury Rising, Enemy of the State, and Collateral, and Nikki's girlfriend, much more recognizable to me, she's played by actress Krista Flanagan, who appears in stuff like Mad TV as a cast member, uh, the TV series Hello Ladies, and shout out to the Innocent Ladies, uh, Mad Men, uh, where she plays one of the secretary pool, I think, in the early seasons, um... Like her face is very recognizable to me and I'm sure uh, one of those ladies will be happy to correct me on who exactly she plays um, but I know I recognize her. She's one of two Mad Men alums in this episode so uh, we'll keep, keep our eye out for the other one a little bit later uh, but we see uh, our street vendor, we go back inside, we see our street vendor from earlier trying to make uh, sales in the phone room which we haven't seen the inside of in quite some time uh, the phone booth room over to the corner over by the admin desk. Uh, Pratt calls him out on it and tells him to take Tylenol every few hours and get the hell out. So um,
1: Then we go over to Romano, scolding Pratt for being slow, shoves some charts his way. He scolds Susan for ovulating, and that's why she's slow, of course. Um, Gallant for being too slow in general, and he makes a very, very awful... um mockery of a mentally disabled person here. If you grew up in the aughts, you know exactly the type of sound he's making here. And I just put in our notes, oof, nope, 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 nope. Um, as he continues to berate, go on with this mockery and fuck Romano. Normally I'm on his side. He gets his season, whatever MVP award revoked, not MVP, most improved award revoked. He has undone all the goodwill with that one moment. Uh, but then Carter sticks up to him and is like, my dude, what the fuck? Like, maybe, maybe try actually being a boss instead of just bossing. So Carter, Carter very much is like, you know, normally it's for chief resident, me, to handle case assignments and things like that with med students. Like, tries to put a buffer on there.
3: Mm.
0: Tries, try as he might. Oh, dear. There's no, there's no protection from full frontal Romano this episode.
2: What a a horrifying mental image. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, <sighs> Chuck shows up again looking for Susan and she's working on Nikki and trauma uh, and about to relocate his shoulder with Luca and Abby and he's going for through some Versed withdrawal and oh yeah Carter's like oh yeah I got a guy out here that says he's your husband and she gets the goofiest grin on her face and says, yeah that's him
1: <laughs> whoops and an ex-
0: excellent face between her, her and Abby hmm.
2: I, this is, you know, fast forwarding way too far in the future, but uh, I, I've always been annoyed by the fact that they make that throwaway line in the, in the finale uh, about su- the possibility that, that Susan and Chuck maybe don't work out like,
1: oh, they abs no, they absolutely work out. I, I mean, mean, that's
2: the head, that's the, the head cannon we're allowed to have, but uh, it's still, you know, it's just a, it's a needlessly mean line. I feel like, uh,
1: yeah. Throw away line, be damned. This man nurses their child. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> Literally. Oh, God. I'm, I'm so, I'm best so glad. In the entire I'm series. so glad he's here. I love him so much.
1: I know. I cannot wait for Jake to get to that, because I feel like I, I feel like Jake's either going to really appreciate Chuck or fucking hate him, and I don't know which way it's going to go. Mean, Jake, oh, he's going to fucking
2: say, hate Jake's him. I think Jake's already having a major like identity crisis around watching the rest of season nine just to be up to speed for the wrap up. So like if he's struggling to, to choke down season nine, I continue to look forward to what he's going to be experiencing when we get to like seasons 12, 13 and beyond.
1: Uh, he just might not MC for us anymore is really what's going to happen there. Oh, no, he's gonna. Uh, but then um, Abby and Susan are in the bathroom and we learn that she's getting the marriage annulled anyway, but just, they just met and they were going to get burgers and it was great and cool yeah, they they, just, they met uh, they met
2: specifically during the Vegas vacation that her and Chen were supposedly
0: going to be taking yes.
1: during
2: at
0: the on the plane on to, the plane thank two, you the yes vacation.
1: And they ended up going to get burgers the burger place was a drive through chapel and it seemed like a great idea at the time and then so she's going to get the marriage annulled anyway because of course it was a Vegas wedding whatever doesn't look too hard to do um she walks up to Chuck, and then we're interrupted before we get to hear their conversation uh, by Gallant and Garter com- and Carter complaining about Romano. Cool. Everybody's in a terrible mood. Uh, we go out to Chuck and Susan getting sodas outside, uh, talking about the annulment, and <laughs> she's like, it was consummated a few times, if I remember. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Just play hooky. Just like, just come hang out. Just, just come play hooky with your husband." And then she does. Uh, Great.
0: They're going to go fuck. <laughs> Jesus,
1: Lizzie, come on.
2: And then we get our next patient uh, being brought in, uh, or coming in, rather. She's, she's not really brought in, but she's she's coming in. Uh, Deborah Strickland, a pregnant woman who passed out at Marshall Fields. Uh, Abby and Pratt are working on her. She's got a very tender belly. Uh, and something is very strange on her ultrasound. Oh, boy. Uh, Debra here is played by actress Elizabeth Bogish, who appeared in stuff like How I Met Your Mother, The Big Bang Theory, and The Mountain. Uh, and the husband here, Christopher, uh, he is played by uh, actor Christopher Allport, who uh, appeared in stuff like To Live and Die in L.A., uh, The X-Files, uh, and uh, our second of two Mad Men alums this episode, uh, he uh, played Pete's dad. Uh, in mm. Mad Men who uh, dies in a plane crash oh, yeah. Uh, we only see him the one time uh, and it's very early on in the series um, this guy has one of the more upsetting deaths in maybe the history of the show uh, not as a character but as a, a human being um, he passed away in 2008 uh, in an avalanche uh, he was uh, Whoa. Yeah, he was killed in an avalanche in I think Colorado Um Yeah, not not my favorite way uh, when I'm if I'm like brainstorming ways to go. That's uh, that's one of the one of the ones at the bottom of the list. Like not a not a great way to go. But um, we are then also introduced to a new surgical resident, Dr. Wu, Linda Wu, uh, who has no clue who Romano is. She just started uh, yesterday uh, and is wholly unimpressed with Romano. Uh Doctor Wu here is played by actress Smith Cho who appears in stuff like Norbit, Meet Dave and Fired Up and this is her only appearance on the show. So don't get used to do- Wow! Don't get used to Doctor Wu.
0: Well, because she gets chased out, as we all see shortly. Uh Luca and Lizzie are talking about his colleagues tricky shunt patient in Croatia, and he's trying to get a team together to donate time for the surgery and figure out how to pay for the procedure himself. Uh, Lizzie comes in to look, look at Deborah after Romano scared Linda off. And Romano's like, I'm down here less than a day and I'm already starting to hate surgeons. Mm. He, see, he gets it. Mm. Mm. He's already fitting in.
1: Oh, God. I'm sorry. Just. Gallant cannot catch a break this episode. So he approaches Romano and corrects him on the directions that Romano gave him earlier in the day. He's like, you told me to do this, and actually that's not the treatment used anymore. And Romano just fucking shouts him down, does not let him get a word in edgewise. And um, just just nobody's nobody's having a good day. Romano's having a terrible day and Dr. Romano in the no good very bad day making everybody else's day worse. Just but this very much reminded me in in a much less melodramatic way of when Alan Alda was on mm-hmm. and they and they were talking about some of the moded treatments he would have prescribed. Like here it's just cuz Romano has been so out of emergency and like day to day that he wouldn't think about that whereas, you know, with Alan Alda is just cuz he's so much old school. Mm-hmm. But I just thought of that when it's like how how people dealt with Alan Alda compared to how Romano reacts when he's corrected. So just little thing there, but yeah, he is not having it. Um and then to cheer him up, Jerry does tell him who he can fire. Hmm. And Daniel? Yeah,
2: we got a fun little Easter egg here. So the, those of you will, uh, who have been with us for a while will remember our very first cast and crew interview all, all the way back in, I believe, June of 2020. Uh, so That sounds right. over three years ago uh, was a uh, former uh, production assistant as, as well as a few other things on the show, uh, Carly Blake. Uh, who has been a a big big supporter of ours? She's been a big advocate of ours. Like I've reached out to her mm-hmm. on on several different topics, and like she's always quick with the answer. Always like she's just always, she's really cool. And just like Carly has always been uh, a big big help to us and a big big supporter of ours. And um, she has an alternate account on Instagram that she runs called uh, My Life on ER, which is where she kind of curates and cultivates a lot of her. Um, behind the scenes photos and memorabilia and just stuff from her life and experience on the show. Um, we are still about a year or two away in the timeline from Carly starting in her official capacity on the show, um, as like a, a, a production assistant and like, you know, back, back backstage crew person on the regular. Um, but in this particular episode, both her and her dad make appearances as background extras. Um, I And she documents this in one of the posts on that Instagram account um, that this was like a, a special thing that her and her dad got to share um, being extras in this episode. Um, and so I, of course, had to make it my mission to try to scope them out in this episode. I think I found her dad, but I was less confident about it uh, than I was about hers Uh hers i I caught for sure um so if you're watching this particular scene here um of jerry and romano it's a little two shot of them at the admit desk uh just kind of chatting and and jerry going over who romano can fire uh if you look from the left side of the screen going from left to right in the background there is a uh there's a a orderly slash nurse in light blue scrubs with very curly bushy hair Uh, about shoulder length hair and uh, I am 99.9% sure that is our very own Carly Blake making her first uh, first on-camera appearance on the show uh, a whole like year or two before she would actually start working on the show full-time so just wanted to to shout that out I thought that was cool
1: it was a very good catch. I actually noticed it, too, once you pointed it out. So if it's something where I can even notice it with a timestamp, then everybody else should be able yeah, to. Yeah, which I can't,
2: I cannot um, remember if I said the timestamp or not. I kind of blacked out there. So 2237 is the actual timestamp if you want to go back and look for it yourself.
1: Yeah, and then uh, we go, Romano is continuing to complain about how little power he actually has. He's like, what's the point of this? Um, he checks on a little kid who's sitting in curtains. I do love this little exchange they have. Um, This kid's, he's like, where are your parents, kid? Uh, Kid says he doesn't have parents. They died in a crash last year, and he's in foster. Um, And as this is going on, Carter asks Jerry if he can see all of Romano's patients before they're disposed today, just to make sure none of them are improperly treated based off what he heard with Galant.
2: How did you feel about this kid? Because I felt like watching it, I was like, this could go either way. Like this kid is, he is he's fine. towing a, a precocious line that Lauren could really uh, nail him on.
1: He's fine.
0: Susan runs back and apologizing for being gone. Carter gives her her charts and gets her up to speed. And Carter congratulates her on on getting hitched
1: on her nuptials.
0: And then we see we go back
2: to Romano working with the uh, the asthma kid. Uh, he asks has to ask Abby for help about what they do for soft asthma. Uh, and the kid uh, agrees with what he says, but <laughs> says that he needs the adult dose. Uh, Love it. Yeah. Uh, Luca then uh, apologizes to Abby for the small talk earlier. Uh, and we hear that Josh is starting to come to. And he says uh, when he comes out of his uh, comes out of his not coma, but like once he regains consciousness, says that his kids are still out in the middle of nowhere. Da-da! I guess this was the this is probably the stinger uh thing that they probably would use for the mm-hmm. promo of like a race against time to save missing children. Somebody pointed out and I cannot for the life of me remember where it was, but somebody pointed out uh that th- we've had this string of episodes this season that have had like you know, the squishy the squishy stretch where it was just like mm-hmm. the episodes are very ho-hum and like whatever, you know, and there's there's always this There's always one patient or always one thing in every episode that you go like, huh, that would have been interesting to follow up on or like this seems out of place. And somebody pointed out that like they thought that it was possible that the network maybe pushed them to include more like gotcha type moments or more like stuff they could use in trailers and promos to to Mm. pull people in. And that this was something of a like protest by the writers to be like, yeah, we'll do it just to give you your 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 trailer moment, but we're not going to make it a focus of the episode. So it's (laughs) could, could very well be.
0: Uh, Carter's talking to Debra as they get her set up for a a CT scan. Uh, The baby was a surprise, uh, but she's going to need a nephrectomy uh, because she has a tumor bleeding on her kidney. And Carter was like, I guess Romano was right about one thing today. Boof.
1: This only gets worse. I do not want to be the one to talk about the rest of this. This only gets worse. Um, but then Luca is asking Josh about his kids so the police can start looking for them. Uh, Romano pops down, asks if Josh is stable yet. Luca says he's holding him so he can wait for his kids to get there, to which Romano's like, that's not our fucking job. Put him up in med and wait for him there. Like, get him out of this trauma room. We need it. Um... And then Susan is texting with her little pager that I always point out because it just makes me so happy uh, with a stupid little grin on her face as she and Halle chat with the girl who slipped in the shower who just recently got brought in. Also, of course, she's probably texting Chuck. I think that they were already hitting it off and falling in love. Um, and then Pratt is on the hunt for a present for Chen, and he runs over to the street vendor who had his foot run over earlier in the episode, and we see the gentleman using Carrie's crutch. <laughs> Which I don't think this ever gets resolved. Oh, no, this episode, it like they never, they never, they never call her him out on nope. having it. Uh, and then Romano just rudely swipes a handful of Chen's cake before they even sing or do candles. Like it's not even cut. He just reaches in and just Ugh. takes a handful, which is Ugh. such chaotic evil um, energy. But then we have an eight-year-old MVA victim brought in, and she was in the car with Grandma. Great.
0: Cool. such happy wonderful times this episode uh speaking of which Lizzie's telling Deborah why they need to do the surgery and uh Deborah's mom died of cancer Lizzie thinks it could be cancer but and that she need ke- chemo and radiation but obviously Deborah can't do chemo with the baby and she then Deborah freaks the hell out which I mean being told you probably have cancer would have that effect on you uh, she says to have everything removed at once because she wants the chemo. She wants to live. She wants them. She wants to have an abortion.
1: Yep. Right. Super happy. This is- a
0: wonderful day. Everyone's having a beautiful, picturesque day. There's clouds outside. Mm. Sun shining.
2: This episode needed more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we see. Go back to uh, the 8-year-old from uh, the previous scene who uh, we then see her grandmother singing to her. Uh, Kid's name is Pilar. Her eyes are occluded. She's suffering from blindness. Uh, Susan and Abby are talking about the girl being in the front seat. Uh, Grandma says she just wanted to make the girl happy, Uh, so she was in the front seat. She got hit with the airbag, and that has caused her blindness. Don't put your kids in the front seat, fam. They they make... Make car seats for a reason. They may put put your kids in the back seat. Just just do it. Um. We then see. Uh, go back and check on Nicky. Haven't checked on him in a while. His girlfriend's giving him an injection, and Susan and Abby walk in and catch it. And Susan starts to protest, and then is basically just like, "Uh, just put him on a monitor." At least somebody around here is happy, which is such a mood. <laughs> like, it's such a fucking mood. She's just happy somebody around there is catching a high. Uh, and then uh, we see Carrie telling Lizzie that they can't help Luca's Croatian patient. Uh, Lizzie asks Carrie if uh, she's as concerned about Romano as Lizzie is. I forget. So, like, is this where we drop the 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 Croatian patient deal, or is like, is there more to come on this? Like, are we going to follow up? There's there more is, to come like, on this in this episode, or are we going to follow up on it in?
0: Not in this okay. episode. No, I think it, we're okay. going to get some follow-up Because I was later very
2: concerned as I was watching. I was yeah, like, is... are we literally just going to bring up this very flimsy uh, patient thing and then just...
0: This whole thing is part of, part of why Luca okay. ends up in Africa. Okay, all right.
2: That makes sense. That that makes total sense. Like I so my, 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 my muscle memory too. is really failing me on, on season nine. I just do not remember where the little subplots are going. Um. But yeah, Lizzie asked Carrie if she's as concerned about Romano as Lizzie is, again, hinting at that kind of... Undercurrent of uh, despair running through the remaining bald boy.
0: <sighs> Everything is awesome. Mm. Uh, Jerry's continuing to teach Romano how evil he actually can be. Uh, Carter yell tell, or excuse me, Carter tells Romano that he messed up a kid's asthma treatment. Wonderful, and then they start yelling over each other, and ends with Romano shouting, "Everyone's replaceable, even you," to Carter. Mm. So clearly, Paul McCrane is in the show for the duration, and it's Carter that, Carter gets, that gets
2: crushed by a helicopter.
0: Carter has an unfortunate accident next next yeah, season, I, right? Yeah.
3: There were several
2: points. Th- Mostly, I should have talked about this when the when he was treating the kid, but like there were several points throughout this episode where obviously I know we're going to do a little bit of a, a you know, a stretch here where Romano's in charge of the ER, but I really would have liked to have seen them commit to that. Like I really would have liked to have seen them go for it especially once he can no longer practice surgery I would have really liked to have seen them go f- go all in and really like commit to Romano as head of the ER and see the progression like see him get yeah. better at it see him get more of a feel like he's never going to be Mark he's never going to have that level of compassion for his patients but there could have been like a softening of the edges of that character and like I don't know. I just would have really liked to, I think that would have made for a really interesting character arc to, to see him kind of embrace being head of the ER and what that would do to him as a person. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that could have been cool.
1: Please. Kay. Thanks. Um, But then they still haven't found Josh's kids in the wood yet. Um, Luca asks us there. Asks the cops. Like, are you doing this with search teams? Are you doing this with dogs? Like, what are you doing to make sure these kids are found? It's like, Luca, calm down.
2: And the cop that Luca is chatting with here is played by actor Reginald Ballard, who appeared in stuff like Horrible Bosses, the TV series Martin, and Menace to Society. Ooh, with that little
1: two in there. Mm-hmm. Fancy. It's the 90s. Um,
0: so you, so you know it's a hardcore movie then.
1: Yep. Uh, Carrie comes down, talks to Carter to see how Romano's doing, because this is her version of trying to be helpful with what Lizzie asked. And Carter says the guy doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't want to learn. And she begs Carter. She's like, just make it work with him. And he goes, well, what if I can't do that? And she goes, then work around him. Basically just infantilizing him even further. Like, nope, he's a petulant man, baby. Just absolutely ignore him if you have to. Great. Cool. Um, Now for the big plot twist. Josh's wife has arrived. And Lucas says, oh, he's stable, but we're... But they're looking for the kids. To which she responds, we don't have children. Now here, based on the string of episodes we've had this season, I absolutely thought that he had kidnapped some children. Oh, see, no, I didn't go there.
2: But that is a good, that is a good possibility, though. I, the, my, my thing was, I thought they were going to go real soap opera with it. And I thought he was going to mm-hmm. have, like, a second family.
1: Like, uh, No, I thought he kidnapped some kids. Which is a different storyline I'm thinking of, that there's a car accident and a little girl and a guy are brought in and she was... Kidnapped. Maybe not entirely yeah. his. But no, I absolutely thought, like, oh, these he was kidnapping two children and a, this is how she finds out. It's a distinct out. possibility. But, but it's, it's not.
2: not.
0: Uh, Thankfully, this, this this episode's dark enough without... Kidnapped children <laughs> on top yeah, of it. Because yeah, I don't, yeah.
2: like, we don't really... I mean, yeah, we do follow up on this... <clears throat> in a minute but like it does sort of feel like an r scott gemel kind of like oh that sucks like there's not much you know like (laughs) follow-up to it which you know I, i get it's an er we can't follow up on every single case but like it's just it does seem like an awfully large thing to drop and then just literally drop it uh, but the wife here, Mrs. Rushing, she is played by actress uh Stephanie Vendito, who appears in uh the second of two uh Meet Dave alumni in this fucking uh, uh. episode. uh shout out to a mediocre uh, a below mediocre uh Eddie Murphy movie uh four Christmases and uh, the TV series without a trace
1: uh but then Susan checks on Sandra, the woman who slipped in the shower, and she is now pulseless with her eyes wide open
0: because um. of course.
1: Of course. Yep. Great.
0: Yeah. Uh, And during the Debra surgery, uh, Lizzie's working on her and she gets a call from the oncologist. The diagnosis is not good whatsoever. Her chance of survival with the type of cancer that she has is less than 2%.
2: So not good.
0: And this cancer is everywhere.
2: Oof. And uh, we go back down to Susan, uh, who's still working on Sandra, who is still down. Uh, and Susan kind of defeatedly uh, saying to, I, f- I forget who, uh, but she says, I'm sure she wasn't planning on dying today. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, we then see a psych resident running over uh, Josh's condition with Luca. Uh, says he was having a dissociative episode. Cool. So, so are we sometimes. Great. Uh, Sounds the, fun. The uh, psych doctor here is, if I've never mentioned him before, I honestly couldn't remember if I had or not. He is played by actor Andy Umberger, who appears in stuff like The Accountant, Rum Diary, and the TV series Young Sheldon. And this is his last of only two appearances. So we've, we've seen this guy once or twice. Uh, we then see Susan uh, giving Mindy, a new patient, a girl with Down syndrome, a pelvic exam. Uh, and we find out that she's being taken advantage of by someone that works where she lives. Oh, great. Uh. Remember when I said this episode needed more? Uh, Mindy here is played by actress Andrea Friedman, who appears in stuff like Law & Order SVU, 7th Heaven, uh, and is another alumni of uh, the Kelly Martin series, Life Goes On. That uh, that has that th- It's the show that has arguably uh, been the biggest example of Down syndrome representation in American uh, pop culture ever uh they had you know of course the main character one of the main characters on that show is a, a guy with uh, down syndrome who has been on er before and now uh this lady as well um completely off topic tangentially has anybody seen the guy who does the seventh heaven reviews on tiktok like that he reviews the uh all the deranged plot points from that show i wish i could re- i wish i could no. remember his at but like it pops up in my algorithm every once in a while it's always a fucking good time. You forget how off the rails that show is. Like, just making entire episodes out of the most like mundane Christian panic issues ever. Like, it is just mm, spectacular. Like, I part of me wants to go rewatch. Not re- well. That's I watched some of that show just because it was on around wrestling. <laughs> but like, it was. Truly a deranged show. Also, I was obsessed with Jessica Beale as a teenage boy, so uh, that probably that played a lot. I
3: mean, that played Claire. a
2: lot into me uh, watching any of that show.
1: <sighs> but then Chen finds out that Pratt bought her present from the street vendor when uh, Susan points out that they're her gloves. <clears throat> Great, cool, 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 wackety schmackety. Uh, Chuck asks Susan if she wants to go eat burgers together after they compare how bad their days were. So I love this. I absolutely love this. Um, And he brought burgers even, so they can just eat them in the lounge. And uh, Romano then makes fun of Galant for his suture technique, and he goes like, oh, it reminds me of how good I am, to which Galant just goes, was.
2: It's so good. It's such a good delivery.
1: To which, what'd you say? (laughs) Like, Nothing. Didn't say anything,
0: and you know, more lovely upsettingness that doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, Lizzie's finishing up Deborah's surgery, and the husband has arrived because you know, seeing oh. your wife open on the table, who would your and being told, okay, so she she tells him the prognosis: your wife is dying, your wife's gonna die, and like she turns around, and her hands are covered in his wife's blood. How is that man like still standing and not throwing up because I would be if not fully passed out, I would be vomiting violently mm. if that was someone I knew being worked on. Uh but Corday is like, "Oh, gives him room to override his wife's choice." Mm-hmm. And she tries to fight for the baby's rights over the mom's autonomy.
1: Mm-mm. I don't care if if like the fact is that she has 2% right to live. That woman said she wanted it. She is still a cognizant adult. Yep. No. No, 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 She no, is not simply no.
0: a womb. She is a person.
1: Daniel, not, do it. I, I am mm, not advocating it. for this. I am not. I know. But Go are, ahead. But do are it. we
2: ready to have the conversation about Lizzie Corday for least favorite character for season nine? Like, it's, Oh, absolutely. Is, yeah, I think we are. It is not absolutely. her fault entirely,
1: but... I think it's
2: a conversation that and needs to be had.
1: I, I understand, like, how it's a position you would argue from. Because from her, she's looking at it as a calculation of this woman's got 2% chance to live. This baby is completely viable. Of course, let the baby live. Your but, wife's going to die anyway. But at the same time, this it's not is, her fucking choice.
0: This is such a violation on so many levels right. that Women, she would even consider do, doing this.
1: Women are not just baby factories. Pass it on.
0: Oof. Well.
1: But that's just. Well, me. at
2: least this episode ends on uh, uh, <laughs> on something we've <laughs> yeah. been waiting for. For you know when when Nine when seasons? did he show up? Season four. So five five whole seasons. Uh, we see Romano at the bar, drinking his sorrows away. And he complains about whatever show is on the TV and wants them to change it. And then he gets into an argument with the guy sitting next to him at the bar, implying that the gentleman is broke and or gay. Uh, Because, again, 2003, kids. It's 2003. Uh, And the dude knocks the hell out of him uh, to the tune of – what is it? Uh, It's an ACDC. Is it it Highway to Hell or – I can't remember. I, can't re- I cannot like that. remember
0: either. Uh, Some license. It rock is. A, song. It's
2: a licensed rock song, but it's a particularly, uh, you know, particularly good needle drop. Uh, if I.
0: It's been over a week yeah, since we watched it this. one of so. the longer
2: gaps between uh, between watching and recording.
1: I was, I was looking down and I was very surprised that uh, Aaron didn't mention it.
2: He, yeah, I went back and looked at his listener response because he had a yeah. he had an addition to it, uh, and he mentions yeah. ACTC, but uh, not the actual song. And I feel really bad, but you know it's an ACDC song it's a good one uh it's an excellent end to the episode as he gets his clock cleaned and finishes the episode on the floor um bleeding a very solid episode highway to it is highway to hell um yeah but uh i think it's a very solid episode i think it's an episode that um as we've said of many other episodes of its ilk there is a much better episode buried deep inside here um i think i would probably I would severely dilute Abby the the triangle i would I would severely dilute Abby Carter and Luca's participation in this episode to give more room for Romano and Lizzie to breathe and yeah yeah i
1: want i I want more of uh Romano and Lizzie actually talking together at some point in here yeah. like. I would have I loved want, a little more of
0: that. Yeah, I want more than that thirty-second audio clip because that's pretty much right. it. Yeah, it's
2: pretty much it, and I, I want, I want, I want basically this, this four or four-way dance between, um, Romano, Lizzie, Gallant, and Carrie. Like, I want give me that foursome kind of dancing around each other, working through. Romano. I mean, you can illustrate Romano's anger through Gallant. You can illustrate his, you know, the professional frustration through Carrie. You can get the emotional aspects through Lizzie, advocating to Carrie and work. I mean, there's there's a lot you can work with there. And I really, you just don't need the other three in this episode. You really don't. Like you really you don't need uh, Luca that much. His storyline doesn't really go much of anywhere. At least in this episode, you don't need much of Luca. You, Carter and Abby are already pretty. Um, background, um, and I don't think you need that much of Pratt and Chen either. I think Pratt and Chen are pretty like token at ad- you know superfluous. Yeah. Um, the 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 only caveat I would say is that that the perfect B plot and the perfect the perfect levity undercurrent to the whole thing is Susan and Chuck. Like Susan and Chuck is a pr- yeah. perfect you know bright shiny undercurrent to the rest of the the episode. And so I think if you'd have just focused a little bit more on those things, I think you could have had a really, really excellent episode in here. Um, Even with all the... Because a lot of people, it seems like we're knocking it because Romano is so unlikable. And I don't think that's the problem. Like, I think, yeah, they maybe lay it on a little bit thick and I think they are trying to prepare us for the the time when he's no longer around by making him so unlikable that we want him off the screen. Um, But I don't think that's the core issue here. I think the core issue here is that like we've said many times before they're focusing on the wrong things like if you focus on the right things there's a really good episode in here
0: there is a very interesting character study in what romano is without surgery right here right and i I, like i said earlier but go all in just make him the head of
2: the er and commit to it exactly
0: but this is broadcast television you gotta apparently have some other stuff going on i guess can't just have forty four minutes, forty four minutes of raw introspection by one guy.
1: But you can. Know. It wouldn't be good, but you can.
0: I'm just, yeah, but I'm just saying, it's not like an HBO show or something like yeah, that right. where you can like sort of set that up that expectation. That hasn't that hasn't, like that.
2: That hasn't made true. its like it exists at this point. Like Sopranos is in full swing. Like The Wire is in full swing. Like these these things exist, but they haven't penetrated into the network TV space yet. And network TV yeah. is still very much operating on the old formula.
0: But I say six and a half out of 10 for yeah. me.
2: Yeah. Se- seven I'm out sure. of 10 with some eight or nine out of 10 stuff, individual moments in there. But the overall product is whittled
0: down to a seven out of 10.
1: Yeah. Lauren, I'm what do listeners have to say about it? Oh god, I don't know if I can read. Um
0: I have Daniel do it this time then.
1: N- no, I gotta do my part. Daniel, I will tap in for errands though. Um <laughs> Valerie Z says, This is the episode I've been dreading in regards to Romano. With the exception of Get Your Love at Home, which admittedly brought me great amusement. His comments have gone so far off the charts it's reprehensible. I don't think at any point in the medical world, at least not as recently as the aughts, would it be acceptable for someone to refer to people as affirmative action and telling the nurses they needed uniforms that hugged their butts better. They could have done so much more with this character. What a shame. Instead, they depicted someone who is very befitting of the line by Carrie, he's a cockroach. Definitely the highlight of this episode. At username 11 says, This might be a minority opinion, but I think this episode proves a little Romano goes a long way. Paul McCrane's deliveries are unimpeachable, and I did laugh at a number of his tirades. But even for him, Romano crossed the line a few times here, and it wasn't pleasant or fun. If the producers weren't going to further the character's evolution, then maybe what ultimately happens next season is for the best... Too much spicy jalapeno gives you heartburn, shout out to the interview (laughs) reference. Uh, Carrie, for her part, didn't seem too broken up about having just malpracticed a man to death, although she does seem very invested in making it work for Romano in the ER, so perhaps she does feel guilty about how she obtained her new position. Either way, her line about Romano being a cockroach is a keeper. While the entire staff reacting to Hurricane Robert down in the ER is first rate, specifically watch Mara Tierney's nonverbal acting, she makes some superlative what the fuck faces, and even her pen click attitude when she and Romano are treating the young boy with asthma is on point. I feel like Abby is one of the best characters to match up with Romano because she legit couldn't give enough. See, the same way characters. See the same way the character paired up with Weaver earlier in the season about being nurse manager. Uh, And finally, poor Susan, having a day so bad you can see her frustration from space. But we get Chuck, and I don't know how I feel about Susan 1.0 randomly marrying a guy in Vegas, but it's nice that Susan 2.0 finally gets a win. Kind of. Chuck showing up at the end, offering her the burgers they never ended up getting in Vegas is very slick. I think overall, I would have wanted something better for the character, but I like this more than I don't.
2: And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, Romano, Romano, Romano. The moment I started feeling bad for him after the conclusion of Carrie's power play, the elevator door to the ER opens, Romano emerges, and in less than two minutes snatches all of that goodwill away with a racist, homophobic, and toxic rant that would have made 45 uncomfortable. I don't think that's true. I feel like there's nothing that that orange, bloated, sick, bag of sick uh, would make uncomfortable uh, between Luca Carter and Gallant I'm surprised none of them put hands on him thank goodness for copy or text more on that later I'm a huge fan of the musical cues in this episode the raindrops keep falling on my head in the elevator serves the dual purpose of telling the audience exactly how Romano feels about his devotion as well as his last bit of serenity as he descends from the relative calm of the executive suite down to the chaos of the ER which may very well have been the seventh circle of hell in Romano's eyes I know we've been kind of hard on Carter this season, but this is probably one of his better episodes as he tries to deal, deal with the acrimony Romano has unleashed on the staff and indifference to patients. We get some vintage banter between he and Carrie. I absolutely love in denial carry, by the way, and a classic Romano shouting match. Did I mention how much Romano sucks in this one? Did someone check on our surgical intern? Uh, of course, I'm excited for the Chuck storyline to begin in earnest. He and Susan are the most underrated pairing of the show's run outside of Archie and Claudia. And the playful energy they give off here is, dare I say, kind of hot. Uh, Jing Mei kind got, got, of got on my nerves with her. You got my birthday gift off the street commentary? Like, damn, he didn't have to get you anything, you know?
3: <laughs> and what's
2: wrong with some swap meat gifting? And finally, the final scene. Honestly, it's one of the most satisfying scenes in the show. We've uh, Up there with the Trapeze brothers pulling him out of the trauma suite. We've all wanted to punch Rockets.
0: Hell, give me uh, seriously, give me all the swap-me Uh But that's going to about do it for us tonight. Uh, skipping all of the stuff because I'm extremely tired and talking is hard. And I have to go walk the official SCT mascot, Brooklyn. Uh, Potato butt! Yes, before she before we go to bed and then we're all not feeling well so well Dinner's Daniel's not fine. feeling I well eat dinner for his person this yeah alright these well,
1: needs Daniel
0: exactly we're gonna get out of here so we love you all thank you very much for listening uh, support us at patreon.com slash podcast where you can get bonus podcasts stickers all the other fun stuff that's included there and we will see you next week bye